Good morning and welcome to our first service on Sunday mornings. We have two. And the first is our Bible prophecy update that we do weekly. And then second service is actually the sermon where we're going through the Word of God, book by book and chapter by chapter and verse by verse. And we're currently going through the book of Hebrews. Today's text is going to be chapter 11, verses 23 through 29. We're going to talk about Moses. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to this. We're going to look at the choice that every single one of us face when it comes to choosing faith over fear. We're in that famous faith chapter that's affectionately been referred to as the Hall of Faith. And today we're going to talk about the faith that Moses had. But first we're going to talk about the faith that mom and dad had. So that's at 11.15. We'll be live streamed Hawaii time. I encourage you to join with us at that time. Also, for those of you that are on YouTube or Facebook right now, uh, you might want to go directly to jdfarag.org for the uninterrupted and uncensored entirety of the update. So with that, let's get right to it. Again, very much looking forward to what the Lord has for us today, because Today's update is a message of hope. <laughs> and this hope is despite the potential for our lives as Christians to become increasingly more difficult, as it seems it even now is for many. And the reason we can have this hope, this blessed hope, is because Jesus promised He's coming back. He promised us that. And He's given us His Word. And God cannot go back on His Word. It's impossible. He said He's going to come back. And not only is He going to come back, He's going to come back very soon. You could do that. How do you know? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> you asked, right? We know this by virtue of the prophetic signs that are increasing in frequency the closer we get. You know how it is when you're on the road and you're driving to your destination, the closer you get to your destination, the more frequent the signs are. And that's exactly what's happening now. Uh, this world is not our home, not our final destination. <laughs> our final destination is heaven in the rapture. And the closer we get to the rapture, the more frequent the signs. Like with the church in Philadelphia, who kept God's Word and didn't deny His name, we, with this hope, can endure patiently and hold on. And that's what I want to talk about today. Just hold on. Not much longer. Jesus is coming. Yeah, but it's, it's getting really hard. I know, but just hold on. Yeah, but I mean, it's getting really bad. I know. Just hold on. 
Jesus is coming sooner than any of us, I believe, can possibly imagine. I want to draw your attention to Revelation chapter 3 and verses 10 and 11. There's something here that, I mean, you know how it is when you're reading God's Word and it's a passage that you've read so many times before. And for me, it's a passage I've taught so many times before. But then there's that one time when something just kind of leaps off the page of your Bible, or let's bring it into more modern terms, the screen on your device. And just kind of, I mean, you, you've seen it, you know it, but it just for some reason this time gets your attention. And there's something I want to draw your attention to in these two verses. Listen to what Jesus has John, by the Holy Spirit, write to this church, the Church of Philadelphia, at the time in Asia Minor, we know it today as modern-day Turkey, believed to be about the year 95 AD. It's one of these seven churches that Jesus has John write these letters to. And listen to what he says to this church. Verse 10, since you have kept my command, hang on to that word. I want to come back to that word. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial or tribulation, same word, that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. And then he says this, verse 11, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The Apostle Peter, chapter 1, beginning in verse 6, says this, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Can't wait. Oh, it, hold on, you're going to have to suffer a little while longer. But when He comes, it will result in praise, in glory, and in honor. Romans chapter 8, one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. Why are you laughing? Because <laughs> all of the chapters are my favorite chapters in all of the Bible, but particularly Romans 8. Beginning in verse 16, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Rome, says, The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then 
We are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share, listen, in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. And then he says this, I consider, some of your translations have more of a southern feel to it, I reckon. <laughs> I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. You've got John, you got Peter, and then you have Paul. I mean, they're all saying basically the same thing. Yeah, in this world, Jesus said, John 16, 33, you will have tribulation, you will have trials. I wish it didn't say it like that. I wish it was more like in this world, there's a good possibility, there's a chance you might, you know, have difficulty. But no, Jesus said, you will. I tried to look up that word will in the original language. And you know what it says? <laughs> will. So you will have <laughs> trials, tribulations, difficulties. Through much tribulation, the book of Acts tells us, you will enter the kingdom of heaven. We are going to suffer. We are going to go through trials. It is going to be difficult, but just hold on, because Jesus is coming soon. And a little while longer, though you've had to go through what you're going through, just a little while longer, and then when, not if, when Jesus comes. I don't have any words, so I'm just going to do the oh. <laughs> Now I realize for some, the rapture cannot happen soon enough. And truth be made known, and the Lord knows your heart. Many today, with everything that's going on, are barely hanging on by a thread. However, the Word of the Lord and the Word from the Lord is a command. We need to talk about this word command. Because at first read, when you hear, oh, it's a command, uh-oh. I'm being commanded to endure patiently. I need to obey this command. And so at first it's almost seen as a bad thing, but I would submit that it's actually a very good thing, and I'll explain why. God will never command us to do anything unless He also enables us to obey the command that He's commanded us. So this brings it up to a whole new level. In fact, we really should be thankful it's a command because it comes packaged with the power of the Holy Spirit 
to obey that command. God cannot command us to do something without also enabling us to do what He's commanded us to do. I sure hope you got that, because I don't know if I can say that again. <laughs> Let me try to approach this in another way. And I need to emphasize and underscore and highlight this, because it's going to be germane to our understanding of what we're going to see today. It is a command from God to patiently, okay, we got a problem right there. <laughs> patiently, yeah, it's a command. I'm not very patient. Maybe you're patient. I'm not patient. I'm impatient. No, this is a command to patiently endure. Endure patiently. Okay, I'm being commanded. Yeah. Okay, Lord, um, I want to obey the command, so you're going to have to help me. And the Lord says, okay, I'm going to give you the how of the Holy Spirit to obey the what of the Holy Word. I'm going to enable you and empower you to obey this command to endure patiently. See, when you place it under the umbrella of a command, you have now the Holy Spirit's help to obey that command. It's not something we do in and of ourselves in our own strength. It's in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I need patience. I need endurance to get through this. You've commanded me to patiently endure. Please, Lord, empower me, enable me, so that I can patiently endure that which I'm going through. You don't think for a second that God isn't going to answer that prayer? Now, it may though <laughs> be for a little while longer that we may have to suffer in all kinds of trials. And it does seem that it's getting worse with each passing day. But everything that we're currently going through, everything that we have the potential to still go through, is not even worth comparing to the glory that awaits us. Let me illustrate it this way. Think of it like this. Our lives are what? Maybe 70 years, 75 years, 80 years, 85 years, whatever. How does that even compare to eternity? So let's just take 70 years, three score and 10. 70 years. Let's say that the entirety of that 70 years is riddled with pain and suffering and trials and difficulty. 70 years compared to eternity. The first 70 years in eternity are going to be oh, gone. The first thousand years in eternity, because there's no measurement of time, because that's what eternity is. It's eternity. 
Again, I know, just really on a roll today with these deeply profound, you know, truths. But everlasting life is life that lasts forever and ever and ever and ever. So if I've got to suffer for 70 years here, and I'm going to live in glory forever, where there's no more pain, no more suffering, no more death, that alone, no more death. No more cockroaches either, just <laughs> none of that, forever. Yeah, I get it now. It's not worth comparing. I suppose the question becomes one of how much longer are we to patiently endure what I'll refer to as pre-rapture persecution. While no one knows the day or the hour, what we can know is how close we are to that day and hour. And we can also know how late the hour is in our day. And by the way, God wants us to know. That's why God in His Word has told us in advance what's going to happen before it happens. So when it happens, non-believers will believe and believers will look up knowing their redemption draws nigh. It's for this reason that we're told to watch and be ready, because Jesus will come for His church at an hour we expect not, just as the Jewish bridegroom would come as a thief in the night for His bride and abduct her, snatch her away, catch her away, and take her to that place that He prepared for her in His Father's house, where they would consummate and celebrate their marriage for a period of seven. And then at the end of the seven, oh, again, I don't have the word, so if you have one, let me know and I'll replace the hall. But the wedding feast of the Lamb. At the end of the seven is the celebration, the wedding feast of the Lamb. I mean, if He could just try in as much as you're able to wrap your mind around the reality and the truth, and it is the truth, that soon and very soon we are going to be sitting at this table with Jesus at the wedding feast of the Lamb, as His bride by His side. I mean, this is not pie in the sky. I hope there's pie at the feast, but there's not, you know. <laughs> sorry, that was, it's been a, a long week, just, sorry. <laughs> to me, the prophetic table is already set. And one need look no further than to Bible prophecy to see that it is. Everything's in place, exactly as God's Word said it would be. 
namely that of the aforementioned hour of tribulation that Jesus has John write to the church of Philadelphia that he's going to keep them from because they kept his word and didn't deny his name. This tribulation period that is going to come upon the whole earth. And it's prophesied in the book of Revelation chapters 6 through 19. Very graphic, horrific, unspeakable horror during the seven year tribulation. You'll forgive the oversimplification, but the seven year tribulation will be marked, pun intended by the way, by a global order under the Antichrist's total control. The whole world. All the inhabitants of the earth. And in order for this to happen, I want you to think this through me, with me. I know we talk about it often, but I really want you to think this through with me, okay? Wouldn't it stand to reason that in order for the prophecies foretold of in the book of Revelation concerning the seven year tribulation to come to pass, that there would have to be this advanced technology in place in order to accomplish that. Technology in the world that was the likes of which the world has never seen in order to accomplish what we're told is going to happen in the seven year tribulation. Specifically, that there's going to be a technology that is capable of tracking and surveilling every single person on the planet. I mean, that's pretty advanced technology, right? And, and this technology, this system that is in place has to be so advanced and so sophisticated that they're going to know whether or not you have this in order to buy and sell and go here and go there and do this and do that, because they're going to know. That technology has to be in place dare I say that not only is that technology and system in place, it's already being used. And now it's really only a matter of time. By that I mean, and this is the hope, <laughs> we may not have to suffer that much longer given the fact that this technology described in the book of Revelation, fulfilled in the seven year tribulation, is already hitting the ground running. That means we're close, right? So that trial you're going through, the difficulty, the suffering, not much longer, <laughs> because my Bible says that this is what's going to happen in the seven year tribulation. This technology is going to be in place during the seven year tribulation. And Jesus is coming to rapture his church before the seven year tribulation. I mean, 
Does that give you hope? It gives me hope. <laughs> Knowing that we're this close to that means we're even closer to the rapture. I love the illustration. I've used it. I hope I don't overuse it, but since it's that time of the year again, it's the Thanksgiving Christmas illustration, right? You see all the decorations, all the signs for Christmas, which come earlier and earlier every year. Have you noticed this? It's like July. You only have so many days till, you know, Christmas for Christmas shopping. It's July. Can you give me a break. So you see all the signs for Christmas. But Thanksgiving comes before Christmas. So if Christmas is that close, <laughs> Thanksgiving is closer. Thanksgiving is the rapture. And I'm seeing the world all decorated for Christmas. But that means that it's Thanksgiving sooner. The rapture is sooner. Jesus is coming soon. If you'll kindly allow me to, I want to expound on this for the remainder of our time together. But in order to do that, we're going to go ahead and end the live stream at this time and just direct you to jdfrog.org if you're not already there. Okay. So this last week I spent some time, you know, I, I do really appreciate many of you that send me all of these articles and videos. And I mean, I go through quite a voluminous amount of material and I have to vet it. Uh, there was actually one thing that I was going to talk about today, but I found out I could not authenticate it. So delete. But I did have two videos sent to me. And I want to share them with you. And I want to quote from these two videos, because it's like they're describing exactly what the world is going to be like during the seven year tribulation. And they don't even know it, because these are not Christians. But they're describing technology, biology. And their description of this technology is exactly what the book of Revelation says it's going to be. And not only do they describe it, but they actually attach to it a timeline of sorts. Because they're, they're in advance saying, we have this technology and within a certain period of time, we will be able to use this technology. And that's what I want to share with you, starting with this first one titled, China's nightmarish new bioweapon targets race and ethnicity. Here's some quotes from the transcript. I am the first person to dispel myths over reporting or just sensationalism in general. I just don't like it. Lots of people get China wrong, both 
positively and negatively. And I have to say, I've avoided covering this discovery because of just how crazy it actually sounds. But here's the deal. I lived in China for 10 years, and I'm very, very careful about what I cover because I need to fully understand a topic before speaking on it. Recently, I've stumbled across something, and when I read about it and fact-checked it, and came to fully understand it, it turned out to be one of the most disturbing and sinister ambitions I've ever seen from the Chinese government. And now that I do understand it, I think that there's an incredibly important lesson to learn from it. We need to talk about something, and that something is called precision medicine, precision medicine. Precision medicine looks at the genetics, you know, the DNA, the environment, the lifestyle of a person in order to select a better treatment that could work best for them. It's simple to understand the basics. All you need to know is that understanding the genome or the human DNA structure can target certain diseases. You ever wonder why the Chinese government was so eager to get genetic information from a large sample of global gene data from pregnancy tests and DNA tests and other things? If you didn't know, China has access to an incredible amount of people's DNA, maybe even yours. Multiple Chinese companies have contracts to access U.S. genetic data. I'm not kidding. Johns Hopkins, Mount Sinai, these institutions receive U.S. genetic data. Some of these companies even have U.S. holdings to process data. And why would China want to access all of this data? Well, the answers are a lot more nefarious than I had originally thought. You see, the Chinese military owns that company. You know that one that made the pregnancy test? And it might be connected to something that we once only thought was in science fiction nightmares. China comes up with something called a five-year plan for everything. The five-year plan in question today is the one put forward about precision medicine. So basically, China has access to a plethora of foreign genome data, and it restricts the outside world from its own. A bit suspect, but hey, that's just how China does everything, right? Enter civil military fusion or dual-use biology. It was adopted in 2016. Five-year plan, 2016, 2021. Alongside that precision medicine thing I just told you about. So 
as to not make any mistakes. Let me just quote the Chinese military and scientists directly. He's quoting now. The weaponization of biological bodies will become a reality in the future. Biotechnology will make biological weaponization a reality. New non-traditional forms of confrontation such as biological attack, biological destruction, and ecological control will become possible. Biotechnological technological weapons can cause destruction that is both more powerful and, get this, more civilized than that caused by conventional killing methods like gunpowder or nuclear weapons. Wow, thank you. That's so merciful of you. Biotechnology tells us that the day on which we will begin to make full military use of its advantages is, quote, not too far off. We believe that command of military biotechnology is a reasonable scientific presumption, not a scientific illusion. Emphasis was placed on the potential offensive applications of biotechnology, including ethnic genetic attacks. In other words, attacks that target specific races or ethnic groups of people through gene manipulation. Gene manipulation. We can attack or injure one or more key human physiological functions. It's the ability to learn, memorize, keep one's balance, or perform fine motor activities when attacking an enemy with biotechnological military weapons. We could cause physiological dysfunction by producing an ultra-micro-damaging effect to a gene or protein structure, and functioning precision injury and ultra-micro-damage. We can control the degree of injuries and damage produced, and even provide an antidote or a cure, a vaccine, a counter-vulnerating agent, or a piece of bioinformation. Now, I hope that wasn't too technical, but let me see if I can just kind of sum it up. The technology is in place to, with precise accuracy, attack the human genome, specifically and precisely where the human DNA, which is the code that tells you what you are <laughs> and will be and will do. And they have the ability to hack it. Enter the second video. This one is none other than from the World Economic Forum. In fact, when I took this screenshot 
Uh, it's more now, but they had 666,000 subscribers. I just thought I'd point that out. It's more now, but when I took the screenshot, it was, anyway. The title of this video is, Will the Future Be Human? And it's by this guy by the name of Yuval Noah Harari, and he's from Israel. Now, as I quote the transcript, please note that this was back in 2018, okay? Now, oh, by the way, these are, uh, links are available on the website. I want to talk to you today about the future of our species. I hate it when they call us species. But he's an evolutionist and, a, you know, basically an atheist, and you're going to see that here in a moment the species and the, the, re, the reality of the future of life. We are probably one of the last generations of Homo sapiens within a century or two. Earth will be dominated by entities that are more different from us than we are different from Neanderthals <laughs> or from chimpanzees. Hang on, it gets better. Because in the coming generations, we will learn how to engineer, engineer bodies, brains, and minds. Now, how exactly will the future masters of the planet look? This will be decided by the people who own the data. Those who control the data control the future, not just of humanity, but the future of life itself because today data is the most important asset in the world. Why is data so important? It's important because we've reached the point where we can hack not just computers, we can hack human beings and other organisms. Now, what do you need in order to hack a human being? You need two things. You need a lot of computing power and you need a lot of data, especially, and I want you to listen very closely, biometric data. Biometric data. Not data about what I buy or where I go, but data about what is happening inside my body and inside my brain. Until today, nobody had the necessary computing power and the necessary data to hack humanity. Science and especially the rise of machine learning and AI, artificial intelligence, which I believe is demonic intelligence, are giving us the necessary computing power and at the same time advances in biology and especially in brain science, are giving us the necessary understanding. The most important invention for the merger, I want you to catch the, the wording here, because this is the World Economic Forum of Klaus Schwab fame, aka the Fourth Industrial Revolution, aka transhumanism. The merger of infotech and biotech. 
is the biometric sensor that translates biochemical processes in the body and in the brain into electronic signals that a computer can store and analyze. Once you have enough such biometric information and enough computing power, you can create algorithms that know me better than I know myself. And then he goes on to say this, if democracy cannot adapt to these new conditions, then humans will come to live under the rule of digital dictatorships. And already presently, we are seeing the formation of more and more sophisticated surveillance regimes throughout the world. The US, for example, is building a global surveillance system, while my home country of Israel is trying to build a total surveillance regime in the West Bank. 2018, this was 2018, three years ago. But control of data might enable human elites to do something even more radical than just build digital dictatorships by hacking organisms. Science is replacing evolution by intelligent design. Did you catch that? He goes on to say this, not the intelligent design of some God above the clouds, but our intelligent design and the intelligent design of our clouds, the IBM cloud, the Microsoft cloud. These are the new driving forces of evolution. See, Klaus Schwab has stated that this fourth industrial revolution is this quantum leap in evolution. Because evolution, of course, was over billions and billions and billions and billions of years, right? Their belief is that this next evolving in evolution will be, I mean, light speed, instant, because of the technology. Unlike machinery, data is everywhere and nowhere at the same time. It can move at the speed of light, and you can create as many copies of it as you want, and so does the data about my DNA, my brain, my body, and my life. Does it belong to me, or to some corporation, or to the government, or perhaps to the human collective? Now, towards the end of the video, and I would encourage you to watch it. I would pray first, though, before, and just ask God to give you a settled heart. At the end of the video, he's actually interviewed, so he's answering now questions that are asked. He says this quote, at present, big corporations are holding much of the data and people are becoming worried about it. But mandating governments to nationalize the data may curb the power of the big corporations only in order to give rise to digital dictatorships. 
Israel is building a real total surveillance regime in the West Bank, which is something we haven't seen anywhere in history before, of really trying to follow every place, every individual, and we still haven't crossed the critical watershed of the biometric sensor, whether it's in the U.S. or in Israel. That was three years ago. And at the rate at which everything is happening, here we are three years later, and he says this, in China, it's still social media. It's still my mobile phone. It's still where I go, what you say, make of my credit card. We still don't really have the technology to go inside. You know what he's talking about? Inside the body. But we are maybe five years, ten years away. Okay, let's do some math real quick. 2018 to five years is 2023, right? Uh, ten years is uh, what, 2028? Let's see, 2028 minus seven years is 2021. Anyway, that's, uh, sorry, I digress. <laughs> Don't email me. Just give me a break, will you? <laughs> I'm not date setting, but that's pretty close to me. And then he says this, what is meant by a digital dictatorship? I mean, it makes 1984 sound positively like child's play. Imagine for a moment that you were a dictator, be that digital or not. What would you do right now to help humanity deal with this? I don't think we should panic too late. <laughs> we should just first of all be aware that this is what we are facing and there are many possibilities. Now, what does it mean in terms of the data about my DNA or what's happening in my brain? The most important exchange in this respect will be in healthcare. The big battle over what we do today called privacy will be between privacy and health. Do you give access to what is happening inside your body and brain in exchange for far better healthcare? My guess is that health will win. Hands down, people will give up their privacy in exchange for health care, and maybe in many places they won't have a choice. I mean, they won't even get insurance if they are unwilling to give access to what is happening in their bodies. Okay. Bear with me for a second here, okay? This is how they will track every single person on the planet during the seven-year tribulation. They will get whatever it is under the banner of health care into your body, 
so that they can track you. Because they've got it inside you now. See, right now, I don't know if you know this or not, my son's been helping me out a lot on this. In fact, he's just scaring the H-E double toothpicks out of me every time he tells me about it. They, they, they track you with this. You know that, right? Yeah. They, they, they hear everything. In fact, my son and I had a uh, fun with it one time. Uh, he was over and, and we were talking about this. And, and so we decided, hey, uh, let's just witness to whoever's listening to our conversation. You need Jesus. You need to get saved. <laughs> Jesus is coming. There's a reason why you're listening in on this conversation. God loves you. Jesus died for you. <laughs> the ABCs of salvation are. <laughs> no, they are. They, 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 come on. You know that, right? Well now, see, if I, if I didn't have this on me, they couldn't track me. So, you know, some people actually leave these things, these tracking devices, uh, you know, in their car or at home, and they go, and we can't track them. We need to track them. How are we going to track them? Well, we need to get what's in here in them. How are we going to do that? <laughs> it reads like a script. It reads like a script. See this um, technology that goes into precision, the human DNA using CRISPR-Cas9 technology altering the human DNA. This is why, by the way, people who get the jabber magnetic. Why are you looking at me like that? You've seen, it's a real thing, by the way. Uh, there are some, in fact, um, they, they, uh, when they get close to a device, it actually tries to connect to them. It, there, there's an electronic connection in them already now. Come on, J.D., you, you, uh, you've gone too far. Okay. You've lost your marbles. Well, it just presupposes I had marbles to lose to begin with. <laughs> you know, last year, <laughs> when a lot of this started coming out, and uh, I started talking about it. I, I just had so many people say, you know, JD's lost it. He's crazy. This is, you know, why don't you go back to just talking about the Middle East, you know, just stay in your lane. And I mean, you're just, you're, this is all you talk about. Why? Well, <laughs> I want to say this as lovingly and as um, graciously and as humbly, and the Lord knows my heart as I possibly can. Because this is what's happening right now. And this is the most important thing in terms of Bible prophecy as it relates to where we're at on God's prophetic clock. Well, what about Syria? Oh, it's, it'll, it's still going to get fulfilled. You think that's on pause, on hold right now? 
Ezekiel 38, yeah, it's going to happen. But see, this is already happening. Now, here, we wake up tomorrow morning, on Monday morning, and we face this. You face this. This is what is happening now. Here's the bottom line. Everything that we're told will happen during the seven-year tribulation is even now beginning to come to pass. And as I mentioned at the beginning, Jesus in Luke 21, 28 said, now when these things begin to happen, begin, keyword, begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads. Why? Because your redemption draws near. When you start seeing this stuff, so we just got done hearing about a video from the World Economic Forum three years ago in 2018 describing this technology that's going to be in us to control us and track us. <laughs> and we're seeing it now. And then we go to Revelation 13 and really 6 through 19. And that's what it says it's, it's going to be like. And the rapture is going to happen before. It has to. So if the rapture is going to happen before, and we're already seeing what's going to happen after, happen now, then Jesus is coming, man. I don't know how else to say it. Jesus is coming. He could come today. He could come today. You know that, right? This afternoon. <laughs> Wouldn't, wouldn't that be great? In fact, right now would be great, <laughs> right? That's how close we are. That's how close we are. And that should give us hope. That should give us hope. This is why we do these updates. This is why we end with the gospel. This is why we share the simple ABCs of salvation, which is a childlike explanation of salvation. What's the gospel? The gospel is the good news. What's the good news? Well, the good news is, is that Jesus came and He died for you instead of you. And He was buried and He rose again on the third day. And He's coming back again one day. That's the good news. That's what the word gospel means. Good news. Your debt has been paid. You're free to go. Good news. That's the gospel. And that's why we do the ABCs, because it's just a simple way to explain the gospel, the good news. Well, if there's good news, there must be bad news. There is bad news. What's the bad news? Well, the bad news is you're a sinner. <laughs> that preaches, and so am I, chief of sinners. We've all sinned. And there has to be this acknowledging, admitting that I have sinned, because 
unless and until I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, I'm not interested in a Savior. And this is Romans 3.10. It says, there is no one righteous, not even one. And Romans 3.23 tells us why. It's because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In fact, that's what the word sin means. You miss the mark. It was an archery term. If you miss the bullseye, they would say, you sinned, you fell short, you missed the mark. We've all fallen short of the perfect standard, the bullseye of God's righteousness. We've all broken the law. We've all sinned. And Romans 6.23 now pronounces the penalty for that sin. And by the way, it's the death penalty, because the wages of sin is death. But, and here's the good news, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, Romans 6.23. So stay with me on this, just real quick. So I know we talk about this almost every week now, but for good reason. Because a gift is a gift. Again, I know deeply profound. But a gift is a gift because somebody purchased it and gave it to me. If I purchased it, it's not a gift, it's a purchase. So He purchased me and you with His blood. It cost Him everything. It cost Him His life. His blood shed in my stead. He paid the price in full. It's finished. Stamped. Paid in full in His blood. Now He's purchased it. And here comes the gift. Here's the gift. What's the gift? Well, eternal life. What's the catch? No, there's no catch. I, I, pay, I paid for this, this gift. I purchased it. And I'm giving it to you. It's the gift of eternal life. The B, and this is central. This is so important. I don't think you can overstate the importance of this. Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. See, once I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, that I need a Savior, I need Jesus, then I now believe in Him. It is an expression of my acknowledging of my sin. And so now I believe in Him. And this is Romans 10, 9 and 10. It says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. That's the B. It's, it's actually simpler than ABC. It's as simple as B. <laughs> because when you believe in Jesus, you're saved. And then what comes from that is the C, the expression of salvation. You call upon the name of the Lord, confessing with your mouth. This is Romans 10, 9 and 10 again. It says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And then lastly, Romans 10, 13. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It's that simple. It's that simple. 
And thank God it was that simple. I needed it to be simple almost 40 years ago when I called upon the name of the Lord and was saved and never looked back. The simplicity, the childlike simplicity of the gospel. If you're here today or watching online, I implore you, if you've never called upon the name of the Lord, today is the day of salvation. Do not delay, do not put off the most important decision of your life for eternal life. Today's the day. Today's the day. Can I share with you a testimony in closing? We still continue to receive these but God testimonies, and they are so encouraging and such a blessing. Oh, how I wish I could. You know, what we need to do is one of those, uh, what do they call them? Uh, those uh, sleepover, lockdown, I don't want to call it lockdown, that's horrible. <laughs> Shut-ins or lock-ins or whatever, you know, where you just spend like the whole night together. And we need to do it for like a week or so. And I could just share all of these with you, literally thousands of them. You would be so, so blessed, so encouraged. Okay, well, only one today. <laughs> so don't worry. Uh, I'll have you out of here soon. It's from Nicolene Thunison. I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. Uh, she's from New Zealand and writes, I would like to share a quick testimony with you. I stay in New Zealand and recently the government decided that children 12 years and older do not have to have parental consent and can be vaccinated at school with shot bro buses doing the rounds. You've heard about this, right? They also give incentives and have drawings for kids to win Xboxes and iPads. My child has ADHD due to vaccine injury in the past. And in my right mind, I cannot fathom how a child whose brain is still developing can make an informed medical decision without a parent. And needless to say, I became really worried. My child knows not to accept the jab, but when he heard he could win an Xbox, which is boldly advertised on the school Facebook pages, his eyes grew wide and he said to me, Mom, how am I going to say no? The pressure on these kids is already so great. And I know that with enough pressure from teachers, friends, and the government, without a parent present to stand up for them, they become sitting ducks. So my husband and I discussed it, and we did what we felt in our hearts we should do. We applied for a homeschool exemption. Within a week, we received the approval. Praise the Lord. I am still a full-time working mom, and my husband also works full-time. We will start homeschooling next year, and I pray that the organization I work for will grant me to work from home permanently, and also just half day and not full-time, so I can focus the rest of my day on the kids. I have faith. He is already there, and either way He will provide. I actually believe the rapture will happen before then. <laughs> if it does, praise the Lord. If it doesn't, praise the Lord. Our God is faithful, and I can now 
protect my babies under my wings at home the same way He protects us. God bless you and your team. JD, Shalom. Praise the Lord. Why don't you stand? We'll have the worship team come up. Um, By the way, I guess uh, the worship was uh, live streamed today, right? Yeah? So we've had a lot of requests for, uh, from people that want the worship. So you're going to, we're going to live stream the worship too, right? Yeah? So we we had a staff meeting on Friday. I told Capono, I said, are you ready to go live? You know, no pressure. <laughs> you know, just, you know, 150,000 people are going to, you know. You guys okay? You're, you came back up, so that's a good sign, I guess. Anyway, we hope that you're blessed by the worship. Father in heaven, thank you so much. <laughs> Lord, <laughs> ah, you love us so much. You love us so much, Lord. Lord, thank you for telling us what the world's going to look like at the time of the end before you come for us, because knowing that and seeing everything that's happening in the world is what is giving us that hope to hold on. You've got to be coming soon. It's got to be soon. It's got to be so close. You must be just like right at the door, as they say, just waiting. And as soon as that trumpet sounds, all of our loved ones, fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, sons, daughters, uncles, aunties, that all went home to be with you, absent from the body, present with you, they're going to be raised first. They're new bodies. And then we who are alive and remain, that's us, are going to be caught up to meet you in the air. And we're going to get to see them again too, and forever be with you. Lord, that's not just our blessed hope, as Paul writes to Titus. It's our only hope. It's our only hope. We're not getting out of this unless you take us out of this world. And that's exactly what you're going to do. And I pray that everyone that is here and watching this is ready for when that trumpet sounds. In Jesus' name, Amen.